from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to dive into the dynamic world of e-commerce fulfillment. Over the past 15 months, the COVID-19 pandemic has altered our way of life in many ways. People have spent much of their time cooped up at home amid business closures and social distancing guidelines. Naturally, this has had a dramatic effect on e-commerce. Rather than visiting the mall or brick-and-mortar retail stores, consumers turned instead to online shopping. Online retail has been growing for many years, of course, but the pandemic has accelerated that trend and supercharged e-commerce volumes. But will this rapid growth continue as we recover from the pandemic and people become increasingly comfortable shopping in person again? And how are supply chains evolving to meet the growing demand for e-commerce fulfillment? To help us answer those questions, we're going to bring in a guest who is right in the middle of this booming business. With that, we're excited to welcome Mark Manduka, Chief Investment Officer for XPO's Contract Logistics segment, which will soon become a new standalone company that will be known as GXO. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Hey, thank you for the time. Really, really glad to be here. Yeah, and this planned GXO spinoff from XPO is a really interesting story, and we're going to dive into that later in the conversation but I'd like to start things off by discussing just this dramatic growth we've seen in e-commerce over the past year or so. And of course, online retail has been growing for many years now, but the COVID-19 pandemic has really accelerated that trend. And that means more volumes for fulfillment providers like XPO to handle. So from your vantage point, how has the pandemic changed the e-commerce fulfillment business? Well, I'm just I'm just so excited to be working at, at XPO and the, the soon-to-be spin-out GXO I think from, from from the ground, what we're seeing is very simple, and that is we've had very robust sales momentum with over around $4 billion of, of customer agreements signed in the first four months of 2021 alone. And when you talked about e-fulfillment, I mean, these, these wins include e-fulfillment services and that we'll be providing longstanding customer customer relationships with that will likely generate $1.8 billion of revenue. You know, that's, the, that's one of the largest contracts in our history, quite frankly, and it runs through to to 2032. So tons of growth happening in the industry. We've been we've been taking some some whale type contracts and it's uh, it, it's it's really raining contracts at the moment, raining customers. And what I love about this business is that I think on your point on e-commerce, this growth that you're talking about, I think we've really reached as much as I'd like to believe it's a post-pandemic, you know, growth spurt, I actually think it's far more than that. I think there's something secular to this. I think we've reached this J curve you know, at this moment in time in the industry where where everything about e-commerce, and we know that e-commerce is global, everything is going to gravitate towards supply chain managers like ourselves who can provide four major things, scale, globality, so being able to do things across a number of countries, a strong balance sheet, so effectively being a, a good partner, you know, from a, from a leverage standpoint, and also being able to bring technology into the mix as well. And I think that that's really going to win out in, in, in this in this in this e-commerce growth story that that uh, is going to be more than just a, a one two three year phenomenon this this is going to run for 20 to 30 years i believe yeah it's certainly going to be fascinating to watch and you know just thinking back on the past 15 months or so when the pandemic really took hold uh you, you just think about all the changes you know so many people uh who are maybe holdouts or, or slow to move toward uh, online shopping uh, have become converts uh, out of necessity, right? When businesses were closed and uh, social distancing guidelines were in place. But the question I have is, to what extent will that continue as we continue to to reopen, as we recover from the pandemic? 
as people are vaccinated and become more comfortable going out, uh, going to the store, going back to brick and mortar uh, locations, what do you see this this looking like? I mean, are, are we going to see the people who order more products online continue to do so as these restrictions lift and we get into this this new normal that we're starting to enter? So what you've, you, what you've hit upon is fascinating because it actually is at the epicenter of our business model. So our business model at the soon-to-be GXO is, is driven by three secular tailwinds around automation, outsourcing, and your theme that you've mentioned very eloquently around e-commerce. Are people going to continue to shop online? Of course. Has there been a structural change? Naturally. The last year has the last year, and certainly even the last three or four months of people have emerged out of the pandemic has shown that in terms of the e-commerce numbers that you've been seeing. When it comes to those three forces that I talked about, though, there has been a structural shift. What I mean by that is customers of ours, and therefore global firms, global blue chip customers, have realized that their supply chains have become increasingly complex through the pandemic. And supply chain functions have have historically, as you know, been handled in-house with the vast majority of global supply chains being managed in-house by firms themselves. And what's happened through the pandemic is I think people have reassessed. I think what's happened is, is that customers are looking at their own balance sheets and their own company structures and saying, we need to have speed, we need to have precision. And that leads to a company reconsidering whether to do it in-house and instead do it out of house. And what, what's, what's changed really is that supply chains have become more complex and that drives people towards third-party logistics providers like us. On the automation side, it's nice to believe the sort of Dickensian warehouse of old, but the truth is, is on your point of e-commerce is that things have become more complicated from a returns management standpoint. One in three goods that you buy online gets returned. And therefore, someone who can provide that automation and provide that scalability to people's business models, both software and hardware, you should see some of our warehouses. The level of automation is next level. This is the warehouse of the future. And as we continue to migrate towards that, not only is e-commerce here to stay, not only have buying patterns changed, but it's the way that our customers are thinking about managing those buying patterns. And returns management is such a complex tool that it requires automation and it requires scale and it requires a customer that has an e-commerce backbone. 40% of our revenues come from e-commerce. So we're ready to we're ready to absorb this trend. We're at the, I think, at the foreground of a of of, of three massive secular drivers within a, within our revenue and, and profit model. And I'm super excited for the next decade. I think we're I think we're at the cusp of greatness here. Yeah, and just to follow up on you know how supply chains and, and warehousing uh, are changing, you know, there have been predictions that warehouses and logistics hubs are going to be located closer to end customers in the future to help meet this demand for not only next day but even same day delivery as e-commerce continues to grow. Uh, do you share that view, Mark? And how do you envision companies like XBO, you know, soon to be GXO? altering their supply chains to meet that demand. And let me tell you, I mean, as, as, as a business, we're incredibly customer centric. We, we do what's best for our customers and we do it to a high standard of ethics. And we make sure that we deliver on, on all their requirements, not just returns management, but across the entire piece, all the, all the way through to the high value added services that we offer them, as well as their ESG requirements, which are also important in today's market. I think if you look at our value proposition, you know, it's validated by by long-term customer relationships. So when you say, are customers wanting to be closer to the end market, the last mile, so to speak, of course, that's the case. You know, delivery times are being shorter and shorter. And logically, therefore, warehouses have to be at the right place in the right, in the right zones for that customer demand. 
when it comes to thinking about our business model, we're a very consumer-driven business model. If you think about where we stand, as I mentioned, we've got 40% of our revenue in e-commerce and omni-channel retail. We've got about 13% of our business in food and beverage. We've got 13% of, of our business in consumer packaged goods and, and then a further 11% in consumer technology. So we've got an amazing vantage point in our business of being able to show these customer trends because we're a consumer, less so industrial, but consumer end market-based business. And we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing the demands from our customers go up, both in terms of location of their warehouses, but also what's inside the box. And in turn, it's our job to manage our own business model to maintain you know, good customer relationships, maintain good standards of diversity within our business model to protect ourselves as well as our customers. You know, no single customer in our business makes up more than 4% of our, of our revenues. You know, so we've got huge diversity. We've got amazing end markets that are growing rapidly. And, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm just very excited to be partnering with some of, the, some of the world's best blue chip brands. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. You know, I'd also like to go a little bit deeper into the final mile delivery component of the e-commerce business. Yes. You know, there, there does seem to be rising demand, not only for home delivery, but also home installation services, you know, especially as people start to become more comfortable ordering some of these large and bulky products, you know, appliances, uh, exercise equipment is very popular during the pandemic, uh, furniture. Uh, to what extent are you seeing that trend at XBO? And what are the challenges associated with home installation and, and crossing that threshold into the home? It's such a great point. And what it does is it, it invariably favors our business model, because what you've just described is you've, you've described a value chain solution. And you know across the entire XBO network, as you know, between trucking, brokerage, and the warehousing contract logistics business, you know, we provide a variety of different services that are customer-centric and very focused on delivering on some of those last mile opportunities that you've described. When it comes to GXO, we're more focused on what's inside the warehouse, but that doesn't ne necessarily mitigate or undo what you're saying, because fundamentally, a lot of what happens inside the warehouse is the reaction of what consumer needs are outside of the warehouse. So we're managing highly complex you know, value chain solutions within inside our warehouses and making sure that the contract logistics match our customer needs. And as I mentioned, it's becoming more and more complex, as you say, with delivery, installation, and you know, a great logistics company like ours, you know, that's been created over the last decade, you know, is available to understand those customer requirements. And the thing that we offer is the second biggest contract logistics provider in the world is effectively scale and the ability to offer different solutions for different customers. So yes, I couldn't agree more. Customer demands, customer demands are going up and therefore the need for a global scalable player is increasing too. And that's where this industry is going. It's a winner takes all market, I believe, where the scale and the global player, the person who can automate, 
is ultimately going to be the winner. And I think that's GXA. Yeah, I think that the the macroeconomic environment is looking more and more favorable, uh, at least in uh, the North American market. You know, generally speaking, there's a, a lot of optimism right now about economic growth in the U.S. Really, for the rest of this year and uh, well into 2022, as people get vaccinated, they go out, they have money to spend. Uh, but what's your overall assessment of business conditions for the logistics industry? in North America, but also around the world. I mean, you, you made a great point in terms of growth. And, and you will have seen, of course, because um, I know how well studied you are on these things, you will have seen our Q1 results, you know, where we had year on year growth um, in organic terms of around 13%. And you will have seen our guidance as well. This is not just this is not just a Q1 post pandemic um, veneer. We're talking about a business that has secular growth. Um, and in so many ways, our 2022 guidance, I think, is is a clear signpost of that, where you know we talked about eight to eight to twelve percent organic revenue growth uh, in our in our logistics business in twenty twenty two, and you know going forwards, quite quite logically, there's some operational gearing in our business model which provides even higher profit growth, so EBITDA growth, so to speak. So the business is growing; it's growing exceptionally strong, um, and I really I really I really see that this industry as as more of an infrastructure type industry than I do an industrial type operation, because in so many ways, infrastructure has those long duration concession returns where you can see many years out and the visibility in this business is phenomenal. The industry is growing, GXO is growing, XBO, the Remainco is growing, and we're at the forefront of, of a lot of growth in a lot of very strong verticals and markets. So very exciting indeed. And yes, there's, there's nothing Certainly that we're seeing, you know, obviously having put put guidance out yesterday, there's nothing that we're seeing in the backdrop to change that view. It's a strong growth market. And part of that is post the pandemic. But also the other part of that is the secular tailwinds that I talked about earlier, you know, the, the ones that are here to stay. And, you know, between automation, e-commerce and outsourcing, it doesn't feel like any three of those are going to wane anytime soon. Lots of runway in each of them. Yeah. And uh Continuing the conversation, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the path ahead for GXO uh, following the, the spinoff from XBO, which now is on track to close in the third quarter. Mm. Uh, for starters, what are the opportunities created by this spinoff, by this new structure for the company? I loved your point. I mean, we're spinning out, as you know, um, from XBO in the third quarter of the year. I think the initial goal of, of of the spin is to is to benefit XBO, GXO, and you know the stakeholders by by unlocking trapped equity value. And, and you know to be to be precise, we expect each business to trade at a sharp premium to XBO's current multiple. After the spin, I think each company will have a more attractively valued pure play equity currency first and foremost to to attract talent and to to engage in creative strategic transactions. I think each company will also will be able to, to tailor its capital structure and capital allocation to its own strategic priorities. And that's always the necessity of any spin. But in the case of, of GXO, we're going to have a good balance sheet out of the gate. We've talked about being investment grade credit rated from day one. So I think the spin brings out, you know, brings out so many strengths, but it shines a light on great company spinning out great company. You know, some spin-offs are good company, bad company. Once you look at the numbers here, you'll see that this is this is great company, great company, and that that's why I'm so excited. Yeah, and you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, GXO recently issued some guidance, uh, projecting again eight to twelve percent increase in in revenue in, in 2022. 
uh, and that's organic revenue growth. Uh, could you just dive into a little, little bit more of the factors that you see supporting that growth? Because that's, uh, uh, again, quite bold coming out of the gate for a new company. Very simple. Comes down to strong pipeline, as I mentioned, the $4 billion of customer agreements in the first four months of 2021, which run you know, as far as, as, far as the next decade. You've got a blue chip customer base that's driving huge business visibility. I mean, we've got 30% of the Fortune 100 companies you know, that we're, we're very proud to be to have a customer relationship with. We have long duration contracts. Our top 20 customers have on average been with us for 15 years. We have a, a world-class management team that has the visibility and, and the know-how to deliver on, you know, not just great new customer wins, but also continue customer wins. Our retention rates are extremely high in this business. You know, when a customer comes with us, as I mentioned, they stay with us. And therefore, you know, couple all those things together, we're, we're, we're very comfortable giving that, that longer term guidance, as you refer to, going into next year. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. You know, over the years, as I've followed XBO, uh, you know, one thing that's really stood out about the company has been its investment in technology mm-hmm. as a differentiator. And that includes warehouse automation and that includes robotics. So looking forward, will technology and automation remain a central element of GXO's strategy as a standalone company? I love your point on innovation. I, f- I feel like you've been reading my emails, but I, I kind of feel like we've got a first mover advantage. Uh, as, as, as one of the, if not the leading tech innovator uh, in logistics. And, and that, includes, that includes so many things. It includes robots, goods to person systems, and, and in some cases also wearable technology in, in, our, uh, in our warehouses. I think what really stands out in terms of, because your question highlights the question of pri- proprietary software or proprietary hardware. I think what really stands out, we've developed a proprietary software tool known as XBO Smart. And it's such a great customer tool. It drives significant labor productivity savings for our customers, on average five to seven percent savings. And you know, the business that has over seven billion dollars worth of, of revenue, and uh, you know, three billion dollars worth of, of labor costs, it, the reality is is that th- those five to seven percent savings are incredibly meaningful. Also, on the hardware side, that differentiator on the robotics. I, I see robotic solutions on a more customized basis going forwards. I'll give you a tangible example just to sort of show the impact that robotics can have on our business. You know, we shipped more than five times uh, as many units last year using advanced warehouse robotic automation, 2020 over 2019. That's the kind of impact that robotics can have uh, on a business. So I'd like to think that we're continue to, going to continue to lead uh, in tech because I think it's going to be a continued theme as warehouses continue to become more and more automated. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of a business that, that puts such a, a focus on, uh, on tech innovation. Yeah, and Mark, uh, of course, you are uh, relatively new to XBO um, and you will be, everybody will be new at GXO as it becomes a new company. But 
you know, when you joined the company in, in May, you know, you came in with a lot of experience, prior experience as a industry research analyst. Uh, so quite a different role now. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious on a, on a personal note, uh, how this experience has been for you so far and what you've learned uh, so far in these, these early days in your new position. I've been absolutely thrilled to be working with a world-class management team, first and foremost. Um, and I, genu- I genuinely mean that because the pedigree that, that this team has, you know, from, from the top to the bottom, the pedigree for strong organic growth, you know, exceptional customer relationships, very considered capital allocation and thorough risk management is, is absolutely best in class. And we're really blessed in that regard. So that's, that's, that's the first thing that it hasn't surprised me because I, I, I met a number of them through the interview process, but you know, we've got, a, we've got a, we've got a very deep bench with an enviable track record, as you know, from the great Brad Jacobs of, of, of M&A and divestiture transactions, you know, Malcolm Wilson, self-sources some of his deals. He's got three decades of executive experience. Um, you know, Barish Oren, of course, we've, we've, got a, we've got an amazing CFO. He's got 20 years of background in, in not just capital markets, but also omni-channel retail, as, as, as well as a strong track record, as you'd expect, on the financial audit side. So deep bench on the management team, that's the first thing. The second thing is, I've mentioned a lot of points on the organic side, and that's definitely our focus. But on the inorganic side as well, don't forget, we've got a good balance sheet. We're one of the scale players, number two player in the market. And when it comes to just size, by the way, 5% of a fast growing $130 billion outsourced logistics market. And what stands out to me about that is the 5%. Logically, you'd expect the number two player to, to have a larger share. And that's because the market's highly fragmented because we've gone from a commodity industry over the last 30 years to today where the barriers to entry are very high and we have a strategic moat. Working with the team at GXO and, 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 and XBO, what's really, what's really stuck with me is what we do well. What's our moat? What's our, what's our advantage? What do we offer our customers? And if I had to put the last few weeks down to a phrase or two, I think we're best in class at XBO and GXO at standing up complex, technologically advanced supply chain solutions at scale and with speed. And that's what's really impressed me about this business and the people that I work with. So super thrilled to be here. Phenomenally excited about the growth that we have, the secular drivers in our business, the positioning that we have within our industry, the opportunity for organic and inorganic growth, and just thrilled to be working with such a great team. And a final question before I let you go, Mark. You know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your long-term vision for logistics and e-commerce fulfillment. So very much a crystal ball question here, but uh, what do you imagine this business might look like, say, 10 years from now? Barriers to entry for the big players are going to continue to go up. We're going to see a gravitation in the industry towards the bigger players. Remember that flywheel effect that I mentioned at the start of our meeting in regards to scale, being multinational, good balance sheets and technologically advanced. E-commerce is global and therefore the companies that play in this sphere need to be global too. And that's the story of the next decade. It's going to be a winner takes all market. I think we're going to see a gravitation towards the number one and number two player in the logistics industry. And you know, fund- fundamentally, the, the three coalesced themes that I mentioned, outsourcing, e-commerce and automation, are going to play a massive role in a significant growth story of this industry. And this isn't a flash in the pan. This is a 20 to 30 year secular growth story. I also think there's going to be more of a focus on ESG and 
our customers are very focused on this point. You know, we're committed to helping those customers achieve their environmental goals as a business. So that's going to be an important reason for, for increasing the outsourcing themes that we've talked about on this call. But there's lots of, lots of growth to play for, and I hope we can be at the forefront of that. I know we can. Well, it's certainly been interesting uh, watching the growth of uh, XBO in recent years, and uh, we'll certainly be watching GXO very closely uh, in the months and years ahead. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Mark, but I think we've reached a good stopping point. So I'll end it there. Thanks again for joining the podcast and sharing your insights. Thank you so much for your time, Seth, today. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. Will the rapid growth of online retail continue as we recover from the pandemic? And how are supply chains evolving to meet the growing demand for e-commerce fulfillment? As you've heard during this episode, more and more consumers have become increasingly comfortable ordering a broader range of products online, from clothing and electronics to groceries and bulky appliances. At the same time, demand is rising for next-day and same-day delivery, and high volumes of product returns are elevating the need for reverse logistics. Together, all of these factors are increasing the complexity of fulfilling online orders. As a result, more shippers are looking at outsourcing their logistics needs to third-party providers rather than handling it in-house. And those three PLs will need to invest in technology and warehouse automation to efficiently manage this massive demand, because the expansion of e-commerce is showing no signs of slowing down. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.